Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to Just Another Football Podcast. Ali here and... I just wanted to drop a quick note because this episode was recorded on Monday night, which is obviously before the Champions League action. So if you're sitting there listening to the episode on Wednesday night and wondering why we didn't discuss Chelsea beating Juventus 4-0 or Carrick winning his first game in charge of Man United, that's why, because the episode was recorded before any of that happened. We look at Man United more long-term and what they should do next, which managers could be hired and what went wrong previously and all of that stuff. Yeah, just wanted to give that heads up and also invite you to follow, subscribe on whichever podcast platform you're listening to us from right now thank you so much for listening and also invite you to follow us on twitter at jf underscore pod that is jaf underscore pod hello and welcome back to just another football podcast back again better intro this week than last week Ali did <laughs> the editing on that one uh, may, may, hey you did me dirty before when i when you said that i overrate mo salah yeah, but that, I didn't use any um, editing trickery, mostly because I wouldn't know fucking how to. Um, <laughs> but I didn't use any editing trickery to make you uh, you look foolish, unlike what you did to me. Um, Fergal's here as well, by the way. He's just sort of taking this all in. Um, uh, it's a bit awkward now. The big dog sla- slapped the, the shackles down. Yeah. <laughs> certainly has. Yeah, so we're back. Back to go through some of the weekend's action. It, it's a pretty depressing weekend all round for me, to be honest. Arsenal lost, Spurs won, and Ollie's been sacked. I mean, does it get any worse than that? Oh. I mean, crikey. Um, it does, yeah. Harry. When we when we go through our fantasy picks, you you know. Uh, we'll, I, I, you do you know, know what? I, 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 <laughs> let, uh, let's just leave that until later on. Let me. Uh, yes. Let me get some of the other bad stuff out of the system first. Um, let's start with the big news of the weekend. I suppose, which was the sacking of Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, which sort of came on, well, it came Saturday night slash Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been in the post, I think, for for a few weeks. He's been a he's been a dead man walking. I said previously, I think the Liverpool game sacked him. It was just a matter of when, and when turned out to be after the Watford game. I I, I don't want to you know talk about the, the the game itself too much, but. It, it was kind of everything we've we've come to expect from Man United in recent weeks. Just, t- t- <laughs> just t- total ineptitude um, in and out of possession for large periods of the game um, to, to a point where it just became untenable because I think that they didn't want to sack him. They wanted to, you know, let it run its course for as, for as long as possible before making the change. But now has come a point where... The, it, it could not carry on. Like having watched that on Saturday, it, it honestly, it could not carry on. It was that bad. The, the rumors are the meeting for, to sack him started at half time. Um, I mean, I think he knew he was a dead man walking at half time by some of the sources from the dressing room. I think he knew his. He, <laughs> I think they would have sacked him at half time if they could. To be honest with you, yeah. Um, it, it's a really strange one, but what they've done there and the. Uh, I sort of drew this comparison on Saturday that was quite an interesting one. A couple of seasons ago, we did a similar thing with Unai Emery, where he was a dead man walk and everyone knew he was just waiting to be sacked. Yeah. And it was the exact same international break, the November one, which is the last one before you get the busy period that sort of takes yeah. you through Christmas into the new year, which I spoke about last podcast. 
And everyone knew he was gone. And in that time, Spurs appointed Mourinho. And I know Arsenal fans wanted Mourinho, but everyone was like, OK, they're getting rid of their manager because it's time. It's the time of the season where yeah. if you want to make a change, you want to do it now and you've got two weeks to, to get it done. And they've done the exact same thing with Solskjaer, where they've given him one more game. It's gone how people... I, I thought they'd beat Watford, but I think even the next game was Chelsea or whether it was against Arsenal. Everyone knew there was one bad result from just totally an untenable position. And, and so it's proved it's one game. And now, by, by all accounts, they're scrambling around to try and get an interim manager until the end of the season. They've currently got a situation where they've got an interim to the interim with, with Michael yeah. Carrick taking over. It's just, I, I mean, I talked about ineptitude on the pitch, but it, it sort of fosters itself in from the way they're, they're conducting themselves off the pitch. It's a shambles. I, I get their thinking. I actually think it, it's kind of sensible not to double down on a bad decision with, a, with another bad decision and getting someone that you maybe don't want, especially if there's managers that are willing to go to you in the summer that could be perfect for you or, or you think you're that's the right man for the job. I think it is weird, you're right though, the the interim, the interim, usually an interim manager is someone within the club that will just step up and, and steady the ship and, you know, but they, the weird thing is they need top four. So they actually do need someone that's not just going to sort of put them into sixth place, but like re- they need to actually improve a hell of a lot. Um, the issue and, I have and, with it. But like who who wants that job? It, it's a no, hard, it, 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 it's a really a awkward sell. The, the one thing I'd say, Harry, just before we jump in, the big, yeah, the big mistake was not not necessarily this sort of interim one, but it was it was not sacking him when Poch was available. That's that's the mistake that um, that has now had a knock on. Where you've gone into this season, fair enough, you've done okay last season. But you've gone into this season, um, and it's just all fell apart, um, and now you're left at the start of the season and you're ending up with this mess, but it's because they didn't make the right call whenever the the guy they wanted was available. And it would have been the perfect time to do it because you could, Solskjaer maybe leaves like a bit more of a hero than he is now. Um, and, and, and Pochettino would be in, you know, it'd be coming up to a year in the job, probably better than well by now. Mm. Uh, I think, I think it's a big missed opportunity. It, I mean, it looks that way. I think the issue is appointing a manager is all timing. Like, yeah. we've spoke about this previously with Chelsea last season. Like, they could have waited and sacked Lampard in a couple of months when it was completely untenable, like it is now with Oli, or it was now with Oli. But they didn't. They sacked him earlier because they knew Tuchel was on the shelf. And he's not going to remain on the shelf. Someone will take him. Um, and, and, you know, Man United clearly weren't going to go for Conte, which is why he's ended up at Spurs. But what that meant was once he was gone, that if they waited a couple more weeks, which is exactly what's happened, they've been left with a situation where they can't bring someone in who's available. They'd have to get someone out of another club. How easy that is to do mid-season. I mean, I know, I know they're Manchester United, but their, their pull isn't what it once was. And, he, and even if it was, like you've got some of the clubs there. Like They, they want to go for Poch, which, which I'll get on to in a minute. It's not going to be easy to get him off mid-season. No. But the, the thing I was going to sort of add was on the interim uh, stuff, or the interim to the interim, when they've put uh, Michael Carrick in temporary charge. Carrick's been the one, by all accounts, along with the other guys that are still in their post, who's been working with the team on a day-to-day basis. And so unless Ollie is just... 
And unless Ollie was having such a draining effect on the team, like quite literally, like unless he was sort of like you know how it was obvious that Mourinho had totally lost half the dressing room and and was like it was openly hostile between him and a lot of the yep. players there. Unless it was like that, which which Ollie might have lost the trust to some of those guys in terms of the results they were getting. But I don't think it had reached the situation where they they personally couldn't stand him. No, and so. Uh... Like he it, was it still rid of it. them at the end. In his last interview, he's there, like still taking ownership, not blaming the players. Like, like how how can you hate a man like that? And you, you could tell by Bruno Fernandez, the little thought was a bit pathetic. But like trying to put it all on, mm. you know, it's it's all the players, not him, not him. And like, see, like you can tell when the ever senior member of the, of the playing squad is doing that. That is, they clearly have a lot of respect. No, no one was doing that for Mourinho. And, no. and so what I would say is that they've only removed one of the problems. You've left his... It's like sacking yeah. a manager but leaving his entire coaching staff there, which you, you see happen sometimes where, you, you know, the, the assistant manager steps in for maybe a couple of games. But if you're looking for a bounce, like this is an important period of the season for Man United. I think, you know, the Chelsea game next week's probably a write-off. But then they play us next week, and that is such a big game for them where if we win this weekend and they lose and it's six points, that it's a massive game. If they then lost to us, it would be nine points. And we might not even be in the top four if that was to happen at that point. They've still got West Ham ahead, Tottenham running about. So it just seems staggering to me. The, 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 the weird thing with the interim bosses, it's usually it's usually like, you've, let's say with Mourinho, it was usually like Mourinho's gone, not an, a Man United man. Um, and so we'll bring in interim, who's a club man. The issue is they're all club men there. They're all Man United. We are Man United. The, the, yeah. the discourse I've seen online as well would actually suggest that <sighs> it's almost gone the 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 other way, where it feels like it's almost like jobs for the boys. Oh, well, he used to play for the club, so he's clearly equipped for, uh, equipped for the role. And I think Man United fans are actually sick of that, from what I've seen. That <laughs> it almost feels like, well, you know, one of the things on the job. Uh, application is you have to have played for the club at some point. I mean, I don't think they want that. If you're competent in your role, then that's fine. Like, you, you see these managers in Klopp and in Guardiola who have come in. They didn't have any previous connection to Manchester or to Liverpool, but they've come in and they've 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 obviously understood the values and the culture of the mm, club. Yeah. But they've kind of made it their own just by by doing the job they've done. Well, it, it, yeah. That becomes the culture. That becomes what the club's known for. So the sentimental nature, nature of how Man United have been run since, uh, pretty much since sacking Sarks folks is just one of the like the many many. He, he did just, stand out. They didn't. They didn't well, the, 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 yeah, the, the flip, funny elements about on it though. It fl- yeah, I think it's more. It's more all the flip flopping that they go. They go. They go. They went. David Moyes, you know, like the chosen one. It, right, sack that. Yeah. Right, we need someone like experienced. Cool. Wins loads of, uh, they, like, you know, has a style of play. Wins loads of titles. Oh, we have uh, Van Gaal. No, we we need a serial winner now. Like someone who's yeah, Mourinho. Uh, let's go back to you know someone we know and trust because those guys they they didn't get the club. And then now now what what way are you now? now we're saying we're reacting again. I think yeah. I. It, the only, it, it is weird with Carrick and all because it's like the, op- the options of him being really good paint a picture. If he was really good, what that paints a picture of what went before. If that if he, if Carrick is really good, it either means 
Oli Gunnar is an absolute dictator and like won't just doesn't listen to to any of these guys. Or my, or Michael Car- Michael Carrick was keeping his mouth shut and going, I'll just set this one out. I know where this is going. I don't think any of those are likely at all. No, yeah. and, and in his presser today, so he obviously doing the presser for the for the Champions League game tomorrow. Yeah. Um, oh, what a big was, game that is. They asked him sort of, um, I can't remember the exact question, but sort of along the lines of, you know, what what is his, what's sort of going to change with him coming in compared to uh, Solskjaer before? And he basically openly admitted, look, like we've worked together for two, three years. We see things through the same prism. Like there's like we, we, we don't have ultimately, as I said to you, and Solskjaer's admitted this on record that he doesn't work closely with the team on a day-to-day basis. He's not the one coaching them. Yeah, He's delegating yeah. to the likes of Carrick, to the likes of McKenna, to the likes of Phelan. They're yeah. all still there. And so this is why I just sort of question it. I look at it and I think, well, if they're the ones working with them on the training ground, and bowl accounts, they're training well, but then you get to the match days and it's just as poor as it has been. That's what the funny changes? thing. There's, like, what's the point of just removing Ole without changing the rest of the team like if you're gonna if you're gonna have a real change in system which is which is like tactical style that is that which is clearly needed and clearly what you want to go for if you're sacking the manager you probably want a more comprehensive change and well ollie was more of an overseer and as you say like he's, the, he's been delegated ahead for the exactly. entire regime he's yeah and he's been delegating uh, and and all that but the, the other thing about the, 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 okay go on no, you, you go okay <laughs> so, the, the one thing i say about michael Crack in particular is that yeah. he known for being a defensive mid he's united are lacking a defensive mid and they've been given off about mctominay and fred not being good enough there's been no improvement in there. If if yes. if you if you at That's least can coach your own position that you were brilliant at, and, and make make players better in that position alone, then that's something at least. But they, he they haven't even done that. So you're like question mark. What is he even doing in that on that front? Never mind you know any other areas of the pitch. Like see the the thing with the timing of the Ole sacking is this is the wrong time. Because it's such a big week, so they they miss I think three opportunities to have to change. Sooner you're saying, yeah, they they missed three chances. The interim, the 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 time when he was interim manager, just mm-hmm. leave him until the end of the season. Yeah. It was a completely toxic situation. You've got real. He's come in. He's stabilized things. He's been getting a run of results leave it until the end of the season, let things run its course, and then evaluate things at the end of the season when you have a healthy... And they totally flopped from. at the end of that season as well. Exactly. And they, yeah, they... they After they give him the job. Exactly that. So they should have waited until the end of the season to evaluate if that was the direction going forward. Second chance, again, uh, in Gdansk, after the Europa League final, you lose that Europa League final in such a way, like, very deservedly so, um, and although they got second that. place, it was a kind of a fake second place finish. They gave him a contract. I don't understand why. Do you do? Like, yeah, that was the second time you could have looked at it and say, okay, this period of progression has run its course. Now we can we can have a more defined style, a a more 
comprehensive plan going forward and hire a, a new team of coaches. Third chance before the start of this international break. Like, why would you, if you were, if you were one defeat away, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but if you were one defeat away from, like, why didn't you sit down and think, oh, what if we lose to Watford, which is which was completely possible? Yeah. Then why don't we make the change now and give ourselves those two weeks to to think things through? Really? Ernesto Valverde is available. Ernesto Valverde is available. Ernesto Valverde is someone that took a an imbalanced Barcelona team to an almost invincible season, and they were like by far the best team in La Liga. Um, and is it, are you suggesting not for the interim role? Not the interim role for a permanent role from the international break. Like from, you don't think that's doubling down on a that's that's you're going just whatever's whatever's happening. We'll go out there and get whatever manager available. I think what they're doing now is painful. It is long term. It is the right decision because I think they'll end up back where they started if they if they appoint any of these managers that they don't that they're not sure on. I I I rate Verde. I would go Verde interim. I would go. There's a couple of managers, and we're talking interim managers. There's there's a uh, uh, Verde. There's a uh, Garcia. Uh, Lauren Blanc, Rudy Garcia, um, an- another man that's that's played uh, for the club, Steve Bruce, um, <laughs> who who uh, Reedy is interested. He put his own. He seems to be putting his own name for you know. He has tentacles in the media. He's gone. Yeah, I don't mind that. We uh, you know back at the top, and and in the in the in the spirit of Steve Bruce, I would also like to put myself forward for the job. Oh, um, I, I think I think I'll breaking do well. news. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in um I'm gonna bring in Roy Keane as my assist, assistant manager for all that passion big on passion I am I'm gonna bring in um Ali as my uh, tactical analysis. Thank um, you. Um, I'll and, take it. Uh, I'll take it. And and um, Harry, do you want to do you want a job for the boys? You, Absolutely, you, uh, mate. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. it seems to be the modus operandi nowadays. Yeah, you 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 can be like not not like director of football, but you can be like the the agent linker. You know, just just you know like uh, bring in a couple of agents. You know, sweet talk them and then go get whoever's going. And uh, that's 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 my proposal as as Man United manager, and that's the team I bring. Uh, get get rid the, of all these these shit coaches. I'm a um I'm a Liverpool fan, but for the for the sake of. Uh, the professional development of, of my career as a, a young well i mean not even <laughs> i will take i will take that role um but i gotta i ask like what's gonna be your tactics your philosophy what's what's your style of play gonna be like just passion with a capital p that's all it is then why do you want a performance analyst only this is only a joke please hire me <laughs> just, just like everyone else has one ali Yes, sir. <laughs> it must it, be what, 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 you'll ma- what you'll Yay. mainly do, Ali. You'll mainly just put together the motivational videos. You, you know, like, no inch <laughs> by inch. You know, <laughs> uh, go out there, chest out, play with pride. I mean, that was one of the. Um, that was one of the things on the. Um, did you not? Did you see the article? It was talking about the principles he had pinned up on the board. Yeah, and this like the over, and that was one of them. It was like something like puff your chest out, like you remember who you're playing for. Yeah, that um, was funny. Well, what I wanted to add uh, before I ask you one last question, guys, on it was I, I agree with Fergal's point in terms of you don't compound a mistake by 
um, making the wrong appointment after you sack him. Like that, it's not just right. We've got rid of Oli. We need to take anyone. Like anyone's better. But what I would say is I am staggered that having come off a two-week international break yeah. where he's already been on the precipice, let's be honest with you, he's under yeah. huge pressure for his job anyway, that they haven't been sourcing people, sanding people out, lining them up for, okay, if this result against Watford goes the way, it very well could do, because it wasn't unrealistic they could lose that game in the way they did. I bet. And, and they sent Oli away. We made reference to this last week. They sent him on holiday off to Norway, got him out of the way. It, like, it, what, what better opportunity do you get to go, right, we're going to line someone up um, and we're, and we're going to, like, if, if it goes wrong for Oli, even if not in the next game, they've got Chelsea off. Like, they could go to Chelsea and lose 6-0. Like, it's not inconceivable that could happen. So he was, he was always one or two games away from what's happened, you know, even if they beat Watford 3-0. Like, so I'm staggered they didn't have someone lined up to take over immediately. And you've now got this situation where you've got Carrick and and Darren Fletcher uh, heading Darren up Fletcher, who's kind of come out of nowhere, am I? Darren Fletcher, uh, from what I've heard, he's the I know he was technical, technical director. But yeah, but he's not, though. He's, he actually isn't. He doesn't have an official role at the club. Like, he is the technical director. Like, his, Roaming what he's doing, technical director. But he doesn't actually <laughs> have board. a title in, in terms of what he actually what he actually does. That, that tells you all you need to know about the internal structure of Manchester United. Um... Having made that point, I just want to ask you guys before we move on. Yeah. It's kind of a two-part question. One, okay. who do you think they should be going for now? Mm-hmm. And two, uh, so, so should they go for an interim? Should they go for a permanent manager? And in terms of looking at the rest of the season, like, what can they salvage? Is it, in term, is it just, right, we've got to get top four? Like, is it, we, we have to try and, like, make a run in the Champions League, got to win a mm-hmm. trophy? Like, what, what is actually salvageable for this squad? Because I've reached a point mm-hmm. where... The, the, the general narrative around them is, oh, this team's world-class, it's a world-class squad, it should be doing a lot better than, than it is. And while mm-hmm. I believe they shouldn't be ninth from the table, I've, I've almost reached a point, point of half of these players where I go, well, they are better than this, but I don't think they're world-beaters. I don't think they're anywhere near the level of the three teams that are above them at the moment in terms mm. of like going for the title. Um so, so what's what do you guys think is realistic for the rest of the season in terms of their ambitions? I can I disagree on the fact that I know there is missing elements to the bar to Barcelona. I'm thinking about uh, Ernesto Valverde as like the permanent my permanent manager choice. Um, I know I I agree that there is missing elements to the Man United squad and putting together a lineup that challenges for the league, challenges Liverpool, Man City, and Chelsea especially. Is hard because, yeah. It, say what? Not this year. Definitely not this year. Not not this year. But yeah. player by player, they like they have world class talent. Like we were talking, we were talking about Man United at the start of the season as one of three yeah. title contenders. I definitely so, wasn't. I've, I've been consistent on this. I look at it right. I think they've got some very good attacking players. Like the, it's imbalanced. It is. Defense, it is it imbalanced. It's yeah, very top midfield. Heavy. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, there is a world where a manager manages to put a lineup together that gets like, uh, first of all, far better results, but second of all, is is defensively sound enough to fend off Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City when they play them mm. uh, in a in a like a back three system. McTominay is good at a double pivot. No. If you 
You, no. You're you're no. not. You don't think so. I think no. if someone gets no. his hands on Scott McTominay oh. in a double pivot, they, it works. It works. We just need to see a better manager applying this. And I I don't know because we haven't seen that. But yeah. I, like I, there is elements of Scott McTominay's game that I that I rate. His off the ball movement is is very odd, and he seems to hide behind players sometimes. But he he has some characteristics. Like he's he's a good he's a decent tackler. He's Progresses the ball well, um, has a fantastic engine and good stamina. But to answer your question about who, yeah, what should what they should do now, yeah, uh, the interim to the interim is probably the the what to go for now because, like, I think to answer your second question, then I think the season you just write it off, take it game by game, just see where you end up, and then over the summer start from like the end of the season, not even when the season's finished, and evaluate what happened throughout the course of this season and take those results and build on what the plan will be going forward, what kind of targets you're going to acquire. That work has to start now. What kind of targets are you going to acquire? What kind of manager are you going to go for? Um, scout managers do interviews in-depth. Um, hire an analysis department. Hire... Go like get into the like the technical forgot, analysis so. and uh, I mean yeah. I'm being serious like they they lack so much yeah. detail attention to detail that's just not only essential for challenging for league titles but it's essentially it, it's essential in top level football altogether it's it's kind of staggering the the lack of depth in in if performance evaluation that they've had um and so. Start implement like start catching up to modern football. Um, what they should do now, and Fergal and I had this conversation just five minutes ago about Ernesto Valverde, who I think should be hired on a permanent. Uh, the problem with hiring a big name manager as an interim is that they probably wouldn't agree to come in as an interim unless they have uh, a role at least towards the end. So if you hire someone like Ralph Raniak, he would probably yeah, want to come in, take an interim role. And then um, be guaranteed a director technical football. director, director of football role, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Sporting yeah. director. Something like that. So, general manager. in my opinion, you either, general manager, uh, in my opinion, you either, you either pull the trigger now and hire Ralph Randiak and make him run your football operations beyond the season. So, make him interim manager now and running football operations after this season. Or you hire, I I don't have any particular like competent names other than Lauren Blonde. You know, you know which Just name. You know which name. Competent. It's not manager. available now, but it popped into my head. Who? Imagine Dean Smith as interim manager. I think he would have went for that. Um, not sure. Just need just needs to be competent. He, he's all. He's an all right, well-rounded manager. I think. I think he would have went for that. Like, why wouldn't he? If he's not, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have thought he would have gone for interim manager just uh, just for what seven months or so, and then leave at the end of it. I would have well, thought he would have. Puts his name out in the shop window. He has to get. He gets to put money either on his CV when he's going to his, his next job, but it takes him from being sacked by Villa to hired by Money either. But um, it's it's why I the, the the reason I asked like kind of what their objectives are the rest of the season i it's think that dictates four. who you go for so you just think top four salvage i I, th I think top four i don't i 
I can't believe I mean, that's not what I'm saying. Like, every good manager that they're being linked to is either not interested or is saying wait until the end of the season. Mm. You've got Brendan Rodgers, Zinedine Zidane, Ten Hag, Pochettino. Ten Hag. is saying he wants it now, but like it's one thing him saying it; it's another thing maybe getting him out of PSG. I don't know how easy. It, it and all be. of a sudden, Man United seem to be, seem to be strapped for cash, mm. and and like the 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 money to pay off Ollie was a bit bit of a de- uh, an issue. It was a clause, I think, though, in this contract. Yeah. It was like if if he wasn't on track for Europe or something, they could sack him like one year in. I think. Well, so. like. You know, like, but it it does seem to be an issue for like the mo- the money side of it with all these managers, and it's like I find that surprising when for Man United, it's like just yeah, quiet and if you want Pochettino, you know, pay, pay pay his pay his transfer fee basically. That's what it is now with managers. Pay a transfer fee for him, get it sorted, and get him in if you want him now, and he's happy to go. Um, I don't I don't see the point. The interim thing is so messy unless you've got somebody within your. And unless you've got a gigs it to give it to the end of the season, yeah, that 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 like unless you've got that lined up and like it kind of works, uh, and they haven't necessarily been a really big part of the coaching staff, then mm. I I think I think that usually was what an interim is. The only other interim I can think of is a Gus Hitting at Chelsea. Um, you missed out. And, uh, and like, uh, yeah, and then Di Matteo came in, and like. So that it's all it's bad. all those people. It is like a Steve Bruce or like a a Mark Hughes. That's like the level of sort of manager that you're like you kind of knows the club has managed in the Premier League or at top level. You're looking at you're struggling for names. The one that name that is interesting is Rudy Garcia. I think he, I only I literally just read up about him there. It was in mentioned in an Athletic article. He's done he's done well, and I think um, he's the type of. He's at the type of stage where he might be interested in that to move from a, a Leon to a bigger club. Just ha- I think having a spell at Man United with sort of as long if you got them top four, it's an achievement, even though it shouldn't be. And then you sort of like, well, they're always going to not sign you on anyway. It's nothing against you. I think it actually is a bonus for a certain type of manager, especially if you're out of a job. I don't know if Valverde would take it. I don't think someone with a, a big name I, I agree already on their, C, on their CV would do it. But I think someone who's up and coming, like maybe like a Fonseca or a... I'm just throwing names of random managers out there now, but someone who's just out on that rung below that goes, if I went there, you know, at the very least, I, I'm I'm improving my reputation. I'm a, I was Man United manager. That'll help me get the next job. It'll remind mm. me that I'm still about... Um, that that's my opinion on it. Like I, it, it, it they're in an awkward situation, but I think it's the right decision to wait to the end of the season. Unless unless you can get someone right now that's going to be your permanent manager and is a good fit. If you can get Pochettino right now, do it. Don't be fucking about with mm. any other manager in between. No, but I, I, the difficulty with that is you have to do it quickly. Like they can't be yeah. faffing about for three, four weeks this with Pochettino. It. And, and having Carrick and that, like, being interim. Because there's just so many games. Like, there's a game every three days until Christmas. Yeah. So, it, and it's a big period for them. Like, they've got some winnable fixtures if they were to get someone in. So, it, it's going to be really interesting. But, like, what you see at the moment is a lot of teams in the middle of the table, and we'll maybe talk a bit about it later, that are 
you know, in that race for top four, top six, they're one of them. And with a few good results, they can, you know, they're the team that you, you would look at and say, well, they can put a 10 game run together and, and, you know, really put themselves up there. But I don't think they can do it with Carrick. I've got to be, I've got to be honest. I just don't think he's competent enough. Um, let's move on. As much as I loathe to talk about uh, what went on at Anfield at the weekend, I feel like it has to to get a mention on this podcast. Um, I'll start by letting you talk about Liverpool early because I'll I'll sort of get on to Arsenal in a second. But Liverpool, to me anyway, looked somewhere back to their best. It's certainly for like Mm -hmm. large period of the game. Um, I thought they were excellent. what was it for you that they did so well in this? The world? main thing is we discussed like pressing structure and the press being frantic and midfielders just all going for the same ball, uh, for the same like for the same player and leaving vastly vacant space for attackers to roam in and pick up balls and um, you know just make attacks happen. Uh, like the Fornals goal, like the Trossard goal, these are the two examples I always go to uh, against obviously West Ham and Brighton and back-to-back games. And we conceded two against Brighton and three against West Ham. Against Arsenal, he didn't have any any chances. And that's because the pressing structure was corrected. What happened? That's the that's the major change. We we didn't have a problem with goal scoring, obviously. The main change was in pressing structure. And I'm, I was a bit surprised by Jurgen Klopp's comment about, uh, I think he said before the game how he hated the international break because he wanted to play Arsenal right away after the West Ham game because he was like keen to bounce back straight away and the mm. international break kind of took that away. But I think the international break will have t- would have given them the time to properly assess and analyze and and have a sit down as a coaching team and, and be like, okay, the, there's something clearly wrong defensively. Let's look at the footage. Let's look at the data. What went wrong? And they will have obviously seen um, the uh, just the lack of structure in the press and the the confusion maybe about the roles of uh, every role within midfield and what they should do, what triggers should each player go for. And that's that's been corrected. Like the average positions of Arsenal are all beyond your midfield. And like to the point where like Aubameyang is the highest of the pitch, and he's nearly at the halfway line in average position. Like we suffocated Arsenal, absolutely. They didn't have a way out, and we scored a goal directly from the press, mm-hmm. uh, which is like the, the pressing was just amazing to watch. It was um, absolutely merited the score line. Uh, it was like the main reason we we got the score, apart from the the little scrap that got the crowd going and the players and, yeah. Uh, yeah. and we got the photos from there. But it was it was mainly the press that's like the highlight, the number one thing. Um, apart from just the ability to create extremely high quality chances for 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 ourselves, like we scored three tap ins. One of them was off the mistake from the press, uh, but yeah. the other two like were square balls, very high percentage goals. Like if if Minamino or Solid missed those, they would be misses of the season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that we scored from a set piece was refreshing because we're have uh, been poor in the other season. Um, but it's mainly it's mainly the pressing for me that's um, that stood out. Yeah, I, I couldn't disagree with any of that. It's, it's interesting you mentioned big chances created as well. Just looking at 
Liverpool are out on their own this season for big chances created. It's 45 for them. The next closest is Chelsea with 34. And then mm-hmm. there's a lot of teams sort of between 30 and, and 20. So it just tells you that Liverpool create a lot of chances and score a lot of goals. Um, yeah. That's not been a problem for them this season. There's a lot to say about Arsenal in this one. There's yes. a lot of angles I could kind of go with there. It, 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 purely talking from a tactical perspective first, you mentioned the press. This was a game, I think, where we missed another way to build out from the back. Because what you see at the moment is we, we're not bad at it. We have more, I, I, I spoke about this last week. We have more players that can pass the football, which isn't a problem, right? Like we, we have more proficient centre-backs, I think, carrying and passing the ball. I think our centre midfielders are slightly better, although we probably miss Shaka, even though he has his limitations. Uh, the full-backs are better on the ball, even though we saw what happened. The issue is, yep. when you build out from the back just by playing a lot of short passes against a team like Liverpool that hunt in packs and press high up the pitch and wait for you to make a mistake, if you're making a mistake by passing it short in front of your box, it can be very costly. And, and you saw that with the second goal. One loose pass, and he's in on goal and he scores. And so this was a game for me where we missed a focal point in the attack. And this has been a yeah. problem for us. I know Lacazette's competent at it, but he's 5'9". This is one where you need a striker that you can hit the ball into who will hold the ball. And if he doesn't hold the ball, he's battling for it. He's, he's trying to get it off them. You're, you're getting some sort of press going. And, and, and I've said before, the next signing will be a striker for Arsenal, I think. Like, well, I'm pretty it would certain. make a ton of sense. It'll be the next big signing. Mikel Arteta, since he's come in, he, all his signings pretty much have been in the defensive areas of the pitch, whether it be full-backs, centre-backs, uh, centre-midfielders, goalkeeper. He hasn't signed any attacking players apart from Odegaard, and he's more of a midfielder. So I, I, that'll be the next signing. I think what I'm not pleased with, but what I would say is you, you need games like this. Maybe not getting beat 4-0, but what you need is to put your team out there, play the way you play, and see what you can take from it. What I didn't want us to do, and I'm glad we didn't do, is go there, play a back five, play three in midfield, park it mm. up and let them have the ball and just kill us and beat us 2-0, say, or 1-0. Because you don't learn anything from that. You saw Man United do that a few weeks ago against Spurs. And yeah, they got a result, but they're not going to do that every week, playing that formation. Yeah. And it's a similar sort of thing with us. And you, It's funny you mention against Liverpool, because Liverpool did it a few seasons ago, where and they weren't playing against anyone as good as what they are now, but they had players in their team at the time that weren't good enough to do what they were doing. But they still played their way. And they, if you remember, they were involved in a lot of high-scoring games. They'd win games 4-3, they'd lose them yep. 3-2. But that was fine because they knew that, okay, we'll get through the season. We're playing well enough to get us, say, top four. It was and so then, stressful, though. <laughs> it's so stressful. It is stressful. And, it's frust- and, and I think the, the general acceptance with Arsenal, and another thing is the age, which I'll come on to in a minute, but it's... Okay, we've got a way of playing. It's not always going to be successful and it definitely needs to be modified at times. But what you'll see is those that can do it and those that can't. And those that yeah. can't, you have to replace them. And, 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 and so the sort of analogy I saw on Twitter before the game was quite this, you don't learn anything from behind the sofa. And, and what it means is if you go into the game and you go away from what you've been doing and you, and you cower away from it, then you don't take anything from it. I think if you make a Arteta, it's quite an easy one. You look at Liverpool, average age 27, one player under the age of 24. The, the core of the squad's been together for the best part of four or five seasons. You look at that, you've got this young squad which you're looking to be successful with in the, in the next few seasons. And you say, mm-hmm. look, 
these are the standards we need to aspire to. If you guys stick together and, and we work on what we're doing and we get better at it, these are levels you can aspire to. I, I think going into it, no, I, I said last week, if Liverpool play anything like I expect them to play, because they come off the back of two defeats and because I know the levels they can get to, we're going to have to be either incredibly lucky or perform to a level which I just do not think we have. You know, do I wish we'd kept it respectable? Of course I do. Like, the yep. second half was unacceptable. I think for 30 minutes, we actually contained them quite well. And then there was the flashpoint. And I don't want, I don't yep. want to make kind of external excuses and say that changed the game. It didn't help us. But th- th- what, what you saw after that is Liverpool went up a level and we couldn't deal with it, which is fine. Like, I don't I think, think anyone... I fed off the crowd a, a bit and, like, it definitely helped the press. It, it does. It, and, and I think the reason people are probably critical, a lot of it's narrative-driven. We always go to Liverpool and get hammered. And, you know, there's the kind of general narrative building at the moment, which is we've only beaten poor sides. This is what happens when we play a good team. Yeah, maybe so. But if for the rest of the season we get thumped off the big sides but pick up points against teams we're supposed to, you're Too probably going to get into Europe. Well. You know, you'll, yeah. probably get, you'll probably get into the top six, which... If you'd said at the start of the season, even after three games, right, you're yeah. going to finish in the top six, like everyone would have said, okay, fine. Like, I struggle to get excited by it. But well, on, our, on Arsenal, I'd say the one thing I noticed, in, I, I thought the past anything back, it was good that they, they keep doing it, but I thought the confidence went and the passing became a Definitely. bit slower. And it Second was a slow pass. You have to be like, that. it needs to be zipping about to be able to get past Liverpool's press. Uh, and maybe with a bit of confidence after that second goal, that that goes and that's understandable, especially with the young team. The question mark: it, This game, I as you said, I it's a good gauge where where you are at. It doesn't really matter, as you say. If you get beat, you get beat. You tried your best, whatever. Uh, it was it was like you you tried to stick to your principles. It's the next game now that's for a young team. And the, and the ones where, after like, that, can we bounce back to where what we were doing before? against the sides that we were doing okay against can we do can we go again uh, and not let it affect us um mm. so I, think, I think this 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 next game is is almost a bigger one because it's like are we on the, is is this the start of a bad run or are we or or was liverpool just like you treat it as an anomaly Speed and bump. the next game is against Newcastle, so there's no this is it. This is what I mean there's no there's li- probably not many, yep. many better games to, to to be playing straight after that no, hundred percent, and and that was always the thing for me going into it was right. Well, we're probably going to lose. It matters how we lost, and I, I'm not going to sit here like I, I can pick points in the game. Like second half, as you said, they lost the confidence as soon as that second goal went in, where they made a mistake, and Liverpool smelt blood after that. They thought, okay, we can we can score doing this. Let's keep doing it, and they did, and they pinched the ball yeah. in transition on more than one occasion and could have scored more doing it. Yeah. And there were players that didn't want the ball. And that's understandable. Like, these are young players. A lot of them hadn't played in this fixture before. It doesn't surprise me one bit. And but as you say, it's intimidating as well. Like. It, it is. Like, and, and you're playing against a team that, like, I'll come back to it. They are at the peak of their physical levels. Like, the, a lot of them are in that age between 25 and 30 where they can sustain. I've spoken about Arsenal before when they've played well. I started games well, but not been able to sustain it. Liverpool can sustain it because. They've got the physical levels to do so, but also they know how to control games even when they're taking time off, like so to speak. Like they can still not let the opposition just pin them in and attack them constantly. So look, there are concerns. Like we're not creating many chances, the, and this the, isn't the, the game. To- the second out ball is a good point. Like like 
Chelsea, though, we actually were quite good at playing out from the back when we mm. like we have that. We option need something with else with Lukaku or we're like someone even Mount, Mount because his first his first touch is so good. Mount can be used as like a target man. You, you can drop it in on him, yeah, and he, and he can kill it. And like although you, you don't have that. a although you don't have a a target man, so to speak. If one of your midfielders could become like just like kill it dead with with you need you need a good pass, but Ramsdale looks like he's he's he'd be able to do that. Like, mm. um, yeah, and, and no, I agree. In. The the last thing to add on that is when you've got a young team and and Ramsdale doing the interview after the game spoke about this when they were passing it short and it wasn't working. Sometimes, and this comes with experience, you get the experienced players to say, "Look, this isn't working. I know this is the way we play, but you need to just." like try something different and I think sometimes there's this idea that when you've got young players and they're being coached they will rigorously follow the coaching like to a T so they're being told to pass it out from the back so they just keep doing it keep doing it keep doing it when it wasn't working and so what I think needs to come is okay this is where what happens when it's not working you're under the pump and you need another way to escape pressure this is what we do and that's the next phase of it I think but yeah. look, Liverpool are very good, and this kind of like spreads into a wider conversation. We'll come on to Chelsea in a minute. I think when I look at the league at the moment, there's just three exceptional teams that are yeah. a, a long way clear of the rest. And, and you're seeing it at the moment. Like They're not dropping many points against the other sides. Like It, it takes a poor performance, I think, for it to happen. So, like it, as I said, if we can beat the rest of the teams, then like we'll be fine. It's just what it does for that. Um, I want to come on to Chelsea, Fergal. Please do. Chelsea were really good. I think this was Chelsea's best performance of the season. I don't know like, sort of what you thought. I thought they like for 90 minutes, it was absolute, complete dominance in every phase of the game. Uh, Leicester were appalling. Like, they, they make no bones. Really but they were made to be, I think, just by the way yeah. Chelsea set up. Approached the, I, I think because I watched Chelsea before I watched Man United as well, like one game before the other, it kind of shone a light on the tactical and structural in, incompetence of Man United's performances. But <laughs> yeah. Chelsea were everything that they weren't, which was organised, well-drilled. It, it's funny, I saw the point made that they're missing the likes of Lukaku. Mount had a really poor game, I thought, by his standards. And yet yeah. still, they were able to dominate Leicester for 90 minutes and produce these sort of performances, which speaks to a real quality in the squad, obviously, but also... Uh, and structural setup where you can have players that are missing, players that are having off days, and still totally dominate teams. The, the other thing, like it, it's come, it, like I've said it before, but um, like Tuchel's just done so well with the squad management. Like the fact that, like you now look at Ross Barkley and and Loftus Cheeky and go, if you needed something, you're not going. You're not. for Chelsea fan. You're not now going. Oh my God, are those are the only options you have. You're going. We have options actually on the bench, and like even with injuries, you you know we we have backups there. Um, but the the game, like yeah, complete dominance. The wing backs talking inside. It's uh, it's such a well oiled machine. As soon as soon as a wing back tucks in, the, the wingers go, go out keeping the width. Um, it's so fluid. Um, I think. I think the the winner of the Premier League could come down to which which one of their fullbacks has the best season. <laughs> this is it could be a fullback showdown for player of the season. It could be Reece yeah. James, Trent, Mad, isn't it, the Dello. way the positions changed. 
this is it. Like it's it's no longer a failed winger or failed centre back. It's you know maybe a failed Trecotis at number ten. Put him at a right back. <laughs> That's the only failed position you could see these right backs in now. Yeah, like, they're they're all incredible. Tante with a lovely goal as well. Oh, um, what a goal that was! And, and you know, he, he, as soon as he scores, he 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 can't handle it. Just goes, oh no, everybody's looking at me. He just hugs them. He, <laughs> he hugs the nearest person to him. I saw this on Twitter today. It's like as soon yeah. as he scores, he doesn't know how to celebrate. He just hugs the first person he sees. <laughs> in, in his in his interview as well, he was saying like, oh, I anticipated the pass from 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 James, and I and then I ran up the pitch into the space, and then I I looked for the pass. Uh, and then there was no pass available, so a shot. And it was like, it's like, all right, it's okay. I, I, if it's the last resort, I'll, I'll put one in the top corner. But only, only if it's the last resort. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if a pass is there, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it to someone else. Um, and um, and yeah, it, it like it just incredible. Bit, bit. I thought it was a bit poor that he was booed, but I, I kind of get it. Um, it's, I, like, it's fine. if you leave for a bigger team, I suppose fair enough. Chilwell was desperate for a goal. And then it was good to see Pulisic back as well and, and took his goal well. Even yes. Ziyech had a nice moment. And the, the man of the match was actually Thiago Silva. And like the defence, like, really, really, um, really, really well played. Thiago Silva, there was one point, was a Vardy maybe got in behind him and he's just able to shape his body, get back on side, slow the whole thing down. It was, mm. But it was, like, so casual the way he'd done it. And yeah. then and then just snuffed snuffed the chance out and it it came to nothing, um, and um we're we're getting better and better. I'm like a lot happy. I'm more happier now than I was happier with the Burnley game. Even though you drew, world. yeah, because it was I could see the performances with the other games before, like you're getting the results, but the performances up there and that'll catch up with you. Whereas now we're, we're, we've now gotten through the bits where we should should have dropped more points. So, uh, and and we've gotten through the a bit lucky, and now we're we're kicking into gear without Lukaku, and and well, I was going to say Verna, but without Lukaku, Kovacic, <laughs> Mount, Mount not playing well as you say, he's he's coming back. He's still he's still like sort of coming back a little bit, mm. but um, but yeah, it's 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 shaping like now, now now the next conundrum is get Lukaku into this team playing well. Havertz is, is injured, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we've got Juventus midweek, so that'll be a tough test. Um, I think Lukaku might be a maybe. He's like, uh, he's Probably back in, in training, so I don't think it's very, yeah, he might be on the bench. Um, I, I don't know who's, who'd start up front in that case. It might be Pulisic. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah he would start Pulisic. I think he's, he, mm. like, he, at this point, he played some minutes uh, with the US national team. I even now, forgot about Hudson Royce. Hudson Odoi, yeah, as well. Hudson Odoi was good. I, it's just his yeah. end part of the game, but constantly, a couple of chances, yeah. getting into good areas, yeah. Yeah, but, but I, uh, I, I could go through every single player there. They're, they're all <laughs> yeah, it was just—it was great. But the funny thing is, like Leicester helped you massively on, on like on both ends because terrible. when <laughs> when they attack, when they attack the Chelsea backline, I think this was very good from Tuchel. They set up deep enough that you know Vardy isn't allowed to run into space, which yeah. in the first half, it seemed like this was their only mode of playing. Just put a long ball in behind the defense and hope uh, hope Jamie Vardy latches onto it. it. And it just didn't happen because there wasn't a, a high enough line for you to 
consistently just lump up balls into Vardy. Let's just calm down with it. Um, and the Chelsea defenders at the same time, when occasionally Jamie Vardy seems to have a foot race, they're rapid. Like Rudiger is so quick. And Chalba, and, like, and then there's Thiago, who's just who's the cover defender, but who's also got just exceptional footwork and just uses his his experience, if you can say that. Yeah. Um, but then defensively, they didn't have the difference between the setup in Chelsea and Leicester. Jorginho was amazing, by the way, that game. Absolutely amazing. Um, so, you had, so you had Jorginho was was a pivot for Chelsea in a midfield too. So you had Jorginho and then you had Kante in front of him. Leicester didn't do that. Leicester just left the, you know, the number 10 spot deserted and Kante just ran into the green grass exactly where there would be a yeah, that for really Leicester. bad on that second goal I don't know what the midfielders were doing and then the like defense that. dropped really deep so it's just a huge gap in the middle yeah and for, you them, what, for them to go to on a recent run of of poor performances before the international break and then have a couple of weeks to assess what's going on and then come back to that performance is uh very poor, <laughs> very poor. It was actually I thought, annoying I thought they were going to go for a back, a back five when I initially saw it. And I was surprised to see like Amartya right back and. Um, I think he was right centre back, wasn't he? Was it a back three? Yeah, I they've, been, they've, been, Some, they've been playing. It, it looked very flat, like a flat, flat back four. They've been playing Amartya as a, like a right centre back, and I think it uh, was it Castagna and All Brighton they played. At times, yeah. I honestly couldn't tell. I don't yeah, know that it, was, it was a different. Well, it was different because uh, uh, Brian's not been playing. They've been playing, um, well, Ricardo, but I think he got injured. But they, they, against us, they played Luke, Thomas, and Castagna, so definite wing backs. Well, Brighton's obviously a wide midfielder, so I don't know if they were sort of flipping between yeah, the two. I, it was like a, it looked like at times whatever they were doing, whatever they did. Times it was like a really ba- like flat back four. Because I was like trying, I was trying to work it out. It was like, well, I, think... I, I had my eyes on Chelsea, and I was like, what, what are Leicester doing to line up as? I, I, I bet this ages terribly, but I think Brendan's reached the glass ceiling at Leicester. I just don't know where he takes them now. Like, if I'm all, if I'm you, you need you need an unbelievable transfer window again. You need you need to sell one of like you need to sell someone from for eighty million and bring in a load of bargains again and for the likes of Samari and Madison to to mm. and Ihinacho to kick on to another level. Otherwise, yeah. it, it is plateaued. Be interesting. How how badly does he have to do? To start to like undo him being talked about for big jobs again. Well, it, well, it's interesting with Rogers because I've always had this impression of him that he, I think he he has an ego. I think it's like pretty obvious to see, and I think he will be tempted by a bigger job at some point. And so, whether Man United seriously come calling for him is one thing. But if they did, like he can talk about being loyal to Leicester all he wants. I could definitely see him leaving them in the lurch. He did the same to Celtic. I know it's different, but mid-season just left them for Leicester. I can yeah. definitely see him taking the United job if they go for him. I I wonder. I wonder would this, would um would Brandon Rodgers go to Liverpool again after Klopp leaves? Because it's to be if you're Gerard, you actually although it's like that is the job lined up. It'd be hard to really hard to follow Klopp. Yeah. You put Brandon Rodgers in between. Let him flop and then take over from him. Let him flop and then <laughs> take over. Yeah. 
Well, that'd be very interesting. Uh, let's talk about Gerard because he got off to a winning start this weekend. Uh, as Steve Gerard, Gerard. Steve Gerard to start with. Um, pretty impressive win against Brighton, like on on paper. It seemed like a pretty. Yeah. It, there didn't seem a lot to be happening in the game. Um, not many big chances for either team. Pretty tightly contested, but just a moment of quality from Watkins sort of late in the game, broke the deadlock, and then get the second with Mings, but. Good start for them, like solid, keep a clean sheet, beating a, you know, like if we're talking about Villa getting up the table, getting into that kind of mid-table battle, say between kind of 7th and 12th, Brighton are a direct rival for that. So getting get, get a win over them in your first game is a, is a pretty good start for Gerard. Lots of passion, as you would expect from... Uh, yeah, from well... Lots of pressing. Uh, um, the the Tyrone Ming's second goal was... Uh, Fair play, Tyrone. <laughs> like fair play. Like he was he scored the goal from maybe the right center of the penalty area. And yeah, with his weaker foot uh, because like uh, two seconds beforehand he was trying to keep the ball in out of play when he took a touch after the after the corner kick, heavy touch. Keeps it in. And then two, what, five seconds later, whatever. He's scoring a goal with his weaker foot top corner. I just love that goal. I just I loved so many things about it. The fact that he's off balance while taking the shot as well. Yeah, it, no, just, it was just good. Good crowd going wild. It was good to see. I, I, th- I thought I'd just mention it since you're mentioning good goals because I don't think we're really going to touch on Man City, but the two unbelievable goals scored in that game. One, one with Sterling uh, and one, <laughs> and one with Rodri. And, and Rodri. Just as you yeah. mentioned, like good goals, like. Because like yeah. uh, we probably should mention Man City more. Well, no, Man City are good. I mean, that's not but a talking like, point. Yeah. It's kind of just assumed. Yeah, that is, <laughs> and that Everton is are bad. Man City are good, Everton are bad. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, those um, uh, those two goals were just incredible. Like, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, Rodri's was No, definitely were. Rodri's was yeah, a yeah, strike. It was a banger. But well, you wanted to add something before we're going to come on to uh, talk about Norwich in a second. Yeah, well, you, it uh... times nicely with with Norwich. Um, yeah, because um, you know what? Yeah, I'll say it quite tabs on Tammy. It's a bit a bit quiet at the moment. No, not yeah, too, exactly. <laughs> not, not too much ha- happening. So, uh, with that in mind, I thought I'd bring in a glance on Gilmore. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I thought I, 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 I thought I thought we could maybe you know alternate between the two. He actually got a start. I thought we ball like Gilmore's back in the starting lineup. Unbelievable start from the young chap. Man on match <laughs> performance and an assist. It doesn't get much better than that from the wee man. <laughs> Whoa! Wow! Very I mean, good. Very good from Gilmore. Very good from Virgil. Very, Very good for, for uh, you, know, I, I you, you get a good manager in, and, and he just you know he knows he said I think I think Dean Smith actually called him a bowler. I think that was the direct quote, uh, which you know I I don't know about I, I don't know about that from Dean Smith. Uh, not not I I don't mind people saying it, but him I'm like it may, it's maybe slightly Doesn't too old for that. He's a bit old, yeah. isn't he, to be using terminology like that? Yeah, too too old and too white, I think. But um, <laughs> but they um. <laughs> But uh, Dean Smith, great start, got the win, found a way. Um, now, now all he needs to do is is just put Eda in instead of Josh Sar- Josh Sargent. <laughs> I, I know, I know, absolutely. Fine. I would agree, actually. Just put Eda in for Sar- Josh Sargent is not someone I would I enjoy watching or want anywhere near the U.S. men's national team when Pepe and Daryl Deke are there. 
just it's been very poor it's been extremely poor so far yeah yeah, i I don't see the point of calling them up to to be honest i mean Um, just looking at the table norwich they're only three points off leads i mean yeah we mentioned it before tuka quince puts them out of the misery because of how few points in general the the lower the lower teams get leeds united are in trouble leeds united are in trouble yeah, he's in trouble. George was right. Yeah, I, 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 I still don't think they're in trouble. I uh, they're in trouble if they keep getting injuries, but I think they're they're constantly lacking first team players, and I think once yeah, once they get a run of first team players in their side, I think I think things will click for them I again. Think with with a bet, like not to get this in as a dig on Spurs, but I think with a full strength team yesterday, they win that game. They were totally on top in the first half with. Yeah. Pretty much all their attack is missing. So yeah, uh, and and you saw in the second half they just ran out of gas. And Spurs were better. Like to give them a bit of credit, they clearly got a rocket up their ass at half time. Um, but you could see Leeds were uh, were desperately deflated, uh, deflated, de- uh, depleted, um, <laughs> depleted. English, yeah. I mean, like, look at <laughs> they were deflated clearly. <laughs> Look, look at the bottom, yeah. though. I mean, I, 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 like, you sort of look at it now. Watford had a good win at the weekend. Like, I, we didn't speak loads about them, but their front three looks good. Like, that you can see how yeah. they could win games. Like, they're dangerous. Um, the Brentford are the ones that are, are there. Brentford, Brentford are, the I was going to say, they're just slowly, like, it's not eye-catching. They did lose four games in a row. But they're not getting maybe hammered, but it's going under the radar. They've got a lot of injuries, and... They're certainly the team I'm looking at at the moment in 14 on 13 points. They're it's a long decline. way to go. I think, I think they'll be ran between like 20th and 13th. I think it's, it's going to be a lot of chop and change uh, between, in, in runs of form as to, as to who uh, in positions. I, 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 I can't really call a, a lot of it. Like, like cause you, you're, Newcastle's bottom of the table, but you're waiting for this super January. To, yeah. to kickstart everything, then, uh, and also for Eddie Howe to start just improving them. Um, Eddie Howe wasn't there in the touchline at the weekend, which also you know affected things clearly. Who did they it's, play it's, it's a really good league. Oh, like oh, I know oh. you were slagging Norwich off, but now Norwich have a decent manager. In. You're yeah. looking at everybody, and you're like, everybody has a decent wee player in, yeah. in there, and, and like a, a structure and a side to it. Like there's no easy matches in it in the league now. Um, like literally every one of them has a manager you're like decent who, who's the worst manager in the league now uh, who's the worst manager Ooh. Is that's a good question isn't it yeah uh, uh, would be something you want to think yeah. about they had a good win this weekend though Hassan they had a comprehensive win. <laughs> like they... your, choi- your choices are a hipster a hipster Austrian who loses 9-0 every so often <laughs> Or a primary, <laughs> primary title winner, like, like, but like you know that that's high standards. Yeah, that's high standards. Losing that nil. Um, yeah, I think Hazelhul could be a shot. I don't know. Let's not get it sucked into this. This is it. No, but it's a really hard call. Even even with yeah, Hazelhul, like, there's, there's maybe good, you maybe say Gerard just because he's new. Like, you know, <laughs> it was, well, you get, I haven't got a clue. You've still got a few unknown entities as well. Let's like, yeah. let's be honest with you. Like in a few weeks' time, you, like, if Palace had a few results, you could be looking at Vieira and going, "Well, his track record was crap before he's come here, and now you're seeing what he is." Like, I, I love to say that, by the way, but it's just too early to call with some of these guys. But you're right; like the standard's pretty good at the moment. Um, yeah. 
I want to talk a bit about some some international football. I say international, European football, not, not yep. internationals. Um, internationals. Top of the table clash over in Italy, or, or first v third as it was. Yeah, uh, Napoli into Napoli losing their first game of the season. Ali. Yeah, that was like this is probably the hardest away fixture for Napoli. The, the hardest fixture. Of, right? Yeah, yeah I should say into Napoli. Yeah, it it was and. Um, I'll see that one of the tougher fixtures in the whole league. The, I watched the last like five minutes, and there were eight minutes of out of time. And can I just say from the start, the Jacko and um, was it Pepe? Uh, who, who's who's the goal? Oh, Spina for uh, oh, Jacko and Ospina. Oh, <laughs> I was just gonna say Pepe. Right uh, <laughs> they uh, they had a clash of heads, and they they had like they were on the floor for an extensive amount of time. They had to have bandages, um, bet, like they had their head bandaged up, um, and they were both bleeding throughout. Like you could see the bandage getting redder and redder. And I don't know how they both carried on. Like they shouldn't have. But mm. that last eight minutes of out of time, Napoli had the ball all of the time. They missed three sitters. Uh, a goalkeeper made a bunch of saves but yeah it was a good it was a good ending it was a very entertaining ending um if you have time like just go watch the highlights or find the end what cool. i would add on that game lautaro yeah. martinez is due a big move i know people say into milano pickup but he is going to get picked up because he is the exceptional like yeah he's decent you don't see him spoken about as much as some of these other strikers they're getting tired yeah. for big moves is why it really puzzles me because he seems to just do it all like i, I We'd be getting linked with him a bit in the summer. Never see him. not linked to Man City. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they. I, I suppose because maybe they expect them to go for Haaland. I'm, I'm not really sure, but they could do a lot worse than him because he is absolutely phenomenal. Um, speaking of not phenomenal, Barcelona. They actually won a game at the weekend. Yay. I mean, they, they good, did. good God! Like local I derby, actually did Espanol. watch this game. This was uh, a local derby against Espanyol. I actually did watch that game, one of the few that I've watched for Barcelona this season. And judging on the previous performances compared to this one, well, they had two 17-year-old starting on the wings. Uh, the the right winger was called Ilias, someone I've never heard before. Uh, and he missed a sitter, but his off-the-ball movement was uh, was pretty eye-catching. He has some you know some flair on him and some unpredictability while on the ball. I, I read up, uh, apparently he's... I might, might have got this wrong, slightly wrong, but he's only got his like first goal or first one of his first appearances for Barca B in the last mm -hmm. month or so. Really, like, yeah. really new to that level. And Xavi took wow. one look at him by the sounds of it and brought him straight up. Uh, so he, then he's clearly just absolutely exceptional for the lower yeah. for the youth levels that they're like, okay, you see, you might be ready now to get a start when you know Ansufati's injured, so. And Osman Dembele's never fit. So, yeah, maybe just give him a start and see what happens. And he, he was subbed off at halftime. He had a good spell. Missed a sitter. That's, that was the shame. Uh, the, the bit that, that was unfortunate. But after all of that, Espanyol should have won. Like, they, they hit the bar in post twice, I think, and missed just loads of absolute sitters. There was a header that went wide from four yards. That is really surprising that they didn't score a goal at all. And Barcelona ultimately won from a contentious penalty decision, which I don't think it should be a penalty. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was very contentious. If I'm being honest. Well, one thing I wanted to talk about: I I've not been following Barca particularly closely this season, but obviously since Xavi's come in, 
his Ten Commandments. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Um, they're, they're pretty questionable. Uh, players must be 90 minutes early to training. I mean... Sure I mean, that's, that's when you just start. Like, that's... Yeah, <laughs> that's, when like, you training. <laughs> that's just the start. Time. It's, not, it's not early then, is it? That's just... The... Yeah. And then the last three, players' travel and off-field habits will be monitored. Uh, players are prohibited from dangerous activities. Players must maintain a good image. I'm pretty sure he just thought, well, eight doesn't sound as catchy as ten, so I've got to pad <laughs> these... Because those three are basically <laughs> the same thing. Like, <laughs> it's, it's almost, I, like you could have just done that in one point. I, I read that He's like he chose PK over the uh, Uruguayan Arejo. Is that how you say that? Yeah, mm. Arejo. Uh, and it, in the last ten minutes, when the defense was all over the place, he sent Arejo on, and they still yeah. Didn't they, a so, but he started with PK. But it, there's a comment that was said in an article I read on the Athletic that was it was like uh, at at the moment PK's uh, off field business habits <laughs> don't seem to be a problem yet with Xavi. As yeah. though, like the, he'll he he'll go really really old school and like you know wouldn't wouldn't want a David Beckham in his team like he he he'll, he'll <laughs> football want, or nothing football or nothing he won't want doing anything off the pitch, um and which is it's just it's sort of interesting in that I get why you don't players distracted but I think I think a lot of players football players are showing that. Messi and Ronaldo that they can do a hell of a lot of other other commitments off the field mm. and still be brilliant on it. Um, yeah. So yeah, it. I, I was surprised right. to read that sort of comment as well about about Xavi. Mm. Yeah, right. Spanish media coverage is very weird. It is. <laughs> what's the what's it called? El Chicharito. El Chiringuito or something. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Best thing going on Twitter. That. It's unreal. I, I I do wonder who who would present the UK version of that. If that was happen. Like I There's I can't, I, I don't know if I, I can't I can't imagine who's that bonkers. I feel like it'd be I feel like it'd be someone from like reality TV. Like like your best chat I shout would be like Rylan Clark off the X Factor. Oh, you know, so, someone that or Keith Lemon. You know, I think it'd be someone. It would need to be like worse. someone that. Someone that does a character so much. So I do know what you mean. It has to be someone absolutely fucking crap. Like, maybe just go <laughs> completely nothing to do with football. It's that. I, I know. I know. You can't imagine like Dave fucking Jones doing that. Yeah. Can you? Like, <laughs> screaming and shouting his fucking head off. TikTok and all that crap. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> like, like oh, the writers Lord. for Sharon Guido could get a job on Celebrity Juice. I reckon right, you like... could get Jeff Stelling doing it, but he's retiring, isn't he? So. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's moving on from Sky. I don't know if he's retiring. Oh, he's, is moving, he? he's moving on. He's definitely he's definitely hanging his. Uh, well, I, I, maybe Sky. To be honest with you, Sky got rid of all of them, so I wouldn't be surprised if they're sort of you know giving him the. Uh, the the rumor was that he he sort of stepped down at the end of his contract because everyone else was fired or yeah. end of, all of his mates. Yeah. He wasn't happy with it. Yeah, maybe not retiring. It could be done. Um. Don't want to talk about fantasy. This oh, week. sorry. I just thought of who it would be. Yeah, Jim oh, God. White. Jim White. Oh, no. Jim... Oh. <laughs> It'd be terrible, but that's, that is the UK equivalent. Yeah, he I mean, I don't like it. terrible. He's on talk he's sports now. What do, call, what do you call he's the awful. tomato? What do you call him? Alan Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's part time as well. Nah, he'd, oh, he'd have cardiac arrest doing it here, <laughs> It'd have to be Jim White. Jim White's still in reasonable health, even if his skin is orange. Um, 
But yeah, <laughs> it, was, uh, it couldn't be Alan Brazil, crikey. He'd be a, be a serious liability. Um, as I said, I don't want to talk about fantasy, but unfortunately it is a segment in the show. I'm very annoyed at what happened this weekend, Fogel, if you want to sort of let, let the yeah, audience in. I, I didn't have a great weekend either. Um, so um, I, I picked on, only got two points. Harry picked Kevin De Bruyne, yeah, got COVID. I quite like picking at the start of the week because I got stung, stung by it, but I do like the jeopardy of, of having to pick it at the start of the week. Yeah. And, and anything can happen dangerous now and then it's it it, it like Volatile. I, 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 I can see it coming to crunch time and someone getting absolutely done over by it uh we've both me and harry have already been uh ali you got a uh, gallagher and got five yep. points yeah, had it. an assist didn't he you good, good yeah he squared it that, actually yeah um he put it on a plate for, for benteke and mm. um then the most annoying one because we did slag George <laughs> off a lot about it, but it did come through for a pookie. Yeah, eight points. Um, so I didn't even check to see what why he got that many points. It was a goal. I'm guessing maybe a bonus point chucked in there as well, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to dwell on it. That's no, uh, no, right, that's too Do you have a pick for your for next week? Uh, update us on the on the table before we before oh, we no, update yeah. us on the table. Oh yeah, quick narcissist Ali. Ali's in top on fifty. George is in second on twenty. A whole thirty points behind. Uh, <laughs> you can see Ari's, why I asked you to update. He's on more the table. points behind than he's got so far. He's asked this last <laughs> week as well. It's pretty embarrassing. More than more than double by some margin. Harry's on nineteen uh, points, uh, and I'm on sixteen points. So I'm I'm at bottom of my own game yet again. Um. Right, Ali, you're happy now. Tell us who you want. Um, who I want. I'm going to go, I, I think this might backfire, but uh, Sadio Mane at home against Southampton. He's, he's just scored at the weekend. I feel like Porto, he might uh, he might rotate a little bit against Porto this, this midweek because we're already through. Or if he does play Sadio Mane, it will be a low-energy game, so I don't think he, he's going to have any problems starting the... The game at the weekend and playing to his peak of his energy. So Sadio Mane, well, I'll just go for that. Cool. Maybe he'll score. But since I can't pick Mo Salah anymore, um, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Well, that is mm. that is the point. That's the one. Uh, you can't pick him every week. Uh, yeah. And Harry, who you go for? I'm picking a Bamian. He's not had COVID, or sorry, he's had COVID, so he's, he's not going to get it again. And after what happened last week, I'm. Uh... I'm wary of that, and yeah, he needs some goals, and I think he might stat pad against Newcastle. I, I wasn't sure for, or uh, I just say, uh, who did uh, George put George in there? On Smith Rowe. George, George is picking yeah, Emil yeah. Smith Rowe. But the thing is, good, it's a decent we shout. I, if mm-hmm. I hadn't picked him already, I might have picked him. Um, this week I thought it was a bit difficult, a bit like last week. A lot of ev- a bit of even ties, um, like um, our our trickier games, like Man City play West Ham. Uh, Chelsea versus Man United after Oli got sacked, so there's potential for a wee bit of a bounce. Um, but I've ah. gone, I've I've gone for a man in form who's gone under the radar, um, and I'm actually looking to put him into my actual fantasy team. That's Jimenez um, oh, against Norwich. Great um, goal at the weekend. Uh, yeah, yeah, lovely goal. goal. And um, I like he's quietly. Well, he's, I think it's too quiet now. He is. He's doing really well. And I thought I, whenever I, um, you know, saw his injury and saw he's wearing a headband, I thought, how's this guy going to be a striker? We you said they should get rid of him. 
I, I, I did. I just was like, I didn't. If you're wearing a headband, I just assumed that he wasn't able to head the ball. But he, it seems to be back in back in training and stuff like that. It, it was no problem to him. He's wearing a helmet in the clip I saw when he's coming back from it. But um, but yeah, Jimenez, my pick. There we go. I've done a full U-turn on him. Um, and for credit, to, fair play to him. I'll never mm. write someone off in it with an injury like that again. Shows you how much I know about that sort of injury. Um, and um, and yeah, I, well, I hope he does the business for me this weekend. Full faith in yeah. him to do so. Well done to Wolves producing the the documentary about it um, in house, which is impressive. Um, well, but also, I think it's a, I think it's a good one to kind of raise awareness of what such a head injury could, how life changing it could be. You know. Um, Nuno seemed to be uh, just incredibly emotional about it, which, like, I, I, when I saw him kind of on the verge of sobbing in that ad, I, I thought to myself, like, how did this game carry on when it carried on, and how did David Luiz carry carry on, carry on playing? Mad. This that's something that's that's forgotten madness. about. Yeah, head injuries in general. We've mentioned about hit. Well, they got the concussion before. subs now off the back of that, which is obviously yeah, a that's a good thing. Welcome addition. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever, whenever I saw um, him crying, I, my first initial thought was, was this um, uh, uh, Daniel Levy's wet dream? Um, uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 <laughs> <laughs> so seeing a manager, he's just sat cry. But I, 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 that was just me. <laughs> you evil man! I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On, on on the note of Daniel Levy's wet dream, we'll uh, we'll leave it there for this week's episode. What an ending! What, <laughs> what an, an ending! Thank you guys. Um, thank you, man. Well, thank you, problem. Ali Fergal. Oh, yeah, that said the better. Um, <laughs> a spoiler, I won't. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, thanks for tuning in. I uh, hope you enjoyed, and we'll uh, we'll see you on the next one. Cheers.